Blog Talk Radio. Blog Talk Radio. Good morning. Good afternoon. Good evening. No matter where you're listening, around the world, this is Sedona Talk Radio. Welcome, everyone. Welcome to Spiritual Tools. My name is Melissa Boyd. I am your host for Spiritual Tools. I am also a vibrational, intuitive medium and business strategist. If you're new to Spiritual Tools, I want to welcome you to the show and tell you about how this show uh, created itself. So I have been, I have been doing um, readings uh, via phone, in person, and Skype for the past five years, but I've been reading since I was 13 years old. And I would sit with people, and every time I sat with them, I would say, oh, you should check out this person or that person or this book or that book. And there never seemed to be enough time at the end of a reading to really get that information to people. So this opportunity to host Spiritual Tools on Sedona Blog Talk Radio came along, and it was just perfect timing. As we know, we are all vibrational beings, and when something is meant to be, it will just fall into place. So um, a few uh, things before I, um, I, I introduce our guest um, for this evening. I do want to let people know I have some upcoming events. So this is a pre-recorded show which, which will air on May 21st. And I do have a class coming up. It is an in-person class, although I'll be offering some teleclasses coming up here soon. It is a three-week introduction to channeling class. So if you are gifted, I know there's a lot of you out there, and you live in Maine or in the surrounding area, and you are willing to travel to Kennebunk for three weeks, I am doing a um, June 3rd, 10th, and 17th. I'm doing a three-week introduction to channeling. You will receive a crystal. I will teach people how to meditate, how to connect to their highest self and source energy. We'll go through mental mediumship all the way to trance channeling. So it's a wonderful way to really work with other people in a group and um, connect there. I also have a couple of other events coming up. I have a vibrational yoga class coming up on June 6th and June 7th. Both days, um, it's from 1 to 4.30, but it is individual sign-ups for each day. It's at Wicked Good Yoga in Wiscasset, Maine. That's $60 a person, and that includes gifts for your soul, yoga, opening up your chakras, and then at the end, I channel your loved ones. I will also be at Authentic Beauty on August 9th from 1 to 4.30 doing that same program and at the Yoga Fest um, in Maine Yoga Fest in July, the second week in July I'll be there. And those people who have asked for me to do more public galleries, I am doing a group reading at the Seed and Bean, which is in West Kennebunk, Maine, on Sunday, August 2nd from 10 to noon. It is $40 per person. I will be doing channeled messages. There will be coffee, tea, water, light refreshments, and just a wonderful way to you know, hear from spirit. It will be limited to 25 people, and although I will not read each person, I know that you will get what you need by coming, coming there. So really exciting things going on. And exciting things going on in the world, 
And um, as a medium, I really get the privilege and the honor to be able to talk to people and talk to their loved ones who've crossed over. And I've talked about this on other shows. And one of the things that I I really um, I love to do is to work with people who've lost um, children, uh, and, and especially just because I I find that when I channel these loved ones, they come through so beautifully. And so many of us think of death as a an ending. And so I'm so excited for you all tonight to meet my next guest. Um, she is such a compassionate, soulful leader, um, especially in the work of looking at the, the title for tonight is um, Death, um, Grief as a, as a Catalyst. So we were looking at this as... Um, as grief is a catalyst. So we look at death and we think it's the end, but really it is a transition. And when we start to really understand that we are spiritual beings having a physical experience and we just go home, things will really become um, much nicer and, and easier. So I had actually, I want to tell you a little story about how I met this next woman who you're all chomping at the bit to meet. Um, I I had heard of her. I've heard of, I had heard of Dr. Katie Eastman, and um, I live. I I had a time lived in a small town. This was probably um, I want to say maybe seven or eight years ago, and I was trying to get involved with the Centers for Grieving Children and some other work, and I kept hearing her name around, and I saw had seen her picture, and I was in a coffee shop, and I saw this woman, and I was like. I think that's her, and she's alone. And so I just walked my way up and said, uh, are you Katie? And she said, yes. And I sat down, and then we just started talking, and it just was seamless ever since. So um, let me read her, her bio so you can know why I'm so excited about her, and then I'm going to invite her onto the show. So here we go. Dr. Katie Eastman is a transition life coach and licensed psychotherapist who supports people before, during, and after serious loss to rediscover their feelings of love and peace and redefine their pain as purpose. One of her first assignments as a medical social worker was to support a high school senior who had been told he was dying and that the cancer he so valiantly fought was going to end his life. This encounter forever changed the way Dr. Katie Eastman has worked for almost 30 years. Jason DeBusk, was a football star, a scholar, popular, intelligent, and a compassionate young man. He had everything, and he had cancer. Katie helped him, his family, his team, and the community that grew to support him deal with the impact of his life and death. She made a promise that she would share his story and that of the involvement of his community. Jason was an old soul, wise beyond his years. He was a leader with a contagious, universal-loving nature, and 26 years later, he is remembered by classmates as someone who made a difference in their lives. Dr. Eastman formed a charity in Jason's name in Maine where she supported dying children and their families. It was through this transformative work she learned the power of grief as a catalyst to to discovering purpose. Now in Washington State, She brings spiritual tools acquired from her work with Jason and other dying children and teens to her clients of all ages as a transition life coach and psychotherapist. Currently, her charity, Children's Palliative Care Community, 
provides gas and food cards to families with severely ill children. Continuing to support the needs of these children, Dr. Eastman is beginning to implement a unique volunteer program that works with teens providing services to these same, these same families. She is also a co She's also co-producing a feature film about the life of Jason, and her book, Connect Now, will be available in 2016. Welcome, Katie, to the show. Thank you, Melissa, so much. It's wonderful to talk to you on the other coast. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I know, I know. Well, I just, um, you know, every time we would get together, we would talk about this and how these... um, these children have so much to teach us, don't they? They are wonderful teachers. They really are. They teach us so much about what's important in life, how life is, none of us are promised tomorrow, how how valuable it is to reach out in love and support and compassion to others and to make a difference. Mm. So, Katie, tell us a little bit about your background yourself, how you got into this work. Okay, well, my background is I'm a Vermonter, um, and I grew up going out into the hills of Vermont, much like you see Julie Andrews in The Sound of Music, um, you know, running and trying to just be closer to nature. And that growing up in that way really helped me start to think, where's the why? How did this all start? And I started to connect with what people call the source, God, um, higher power, whatever language you give to that in nature when I was quite young. And so it's no surprise to me that I would end up doing work that allows connection and meaning and support all to come together in caring for people who are hurting. And the way that I discovered hospice and palliative care was I was in my early 20s and um, someone invited me to meet Elizabeth Kubler-Ross at a retreat. And I had read her book in college and had at that time recognized that I had a calling into this work. And after I met her, I just, my life was, became dedicated to end of life care and palliative care. And I met Jason DeBusk several years later when I was ready. Wow. And just so people are familiar, I, I know what it is and you know what it is, but can you explain what palliative care means and what it is? Sure. And it's really important that people understand that hospice and palliative care are philosophies of care. We've develop them into service delivery and places and all these other different definitions. But the origin is the mind, the body, the spirit, the emotional, the spiritual, the, the social and the practical needs of the human being, all coming together in an integrated plan in order to provide the highest quality of life. And in hospice, we provide that kind of care at end of life. Palliative care developed when we realized that, wow, you know, someone with a life-threatening condition, a serious medical condition, needs the same thing as someone who dies or who is dying, but they need it a lot sooner. And so we developed palliative care to meet that need much sooner. 
And I personally have, because of my training, taken those integrated concepts and brought them into all areas of my life and my work. Wow, that's that's amazing. So your work as a as a transition life coach um, encompasses that work as well. Yes. Uh, you know, the one thing we've always heard, death and taxes are the two things that happen to all of us, but also another yes. piece is change. Change and transition. We are all we are often either change is imposed on us or we choose change because we want to make change and improve our lives. And I work with people with all of those concepts of mind, body, spirit, emotions, social and practical needs to help them identify during these change what they long for, what kind of life they want. Mm. And that's that's so important because I think that, and we're probably going to get into this a little bit more, but, you know, in my experience talking to people who have lost children and also channeling these children, um, uh an assumption or an understanding that people have where if you live a hundred years, you can make such a difference in this life. But if you live 10 or 12 years, you really cannot make a difference. And I find that to be not true, first of all. And also that, you know, we all, we should embrace life every day, every moment. Absolutely. My mom taught me at a very young age, and she was a very stoic New Englander. I mean, she was a very quiet, introverted person. But she surprised me one day when she said, you know, you can make a difference in the life of someone else simply by making them smile. And she Mm. said that to me. She said she went into the grocery store. Every time she went into the grocery store, she always tried to make someone else smile. And I never forgot that, that it's little things that can make a difference. But to answer your question about the youngest of people making a difference, my favorite example of this is one of the kiddos that we took care of in memory of Jason in his in the program in Maine. And his name was Walden, and he was a premature infant who came home and was in hospice care in his home. And he was less than a foot long. He was so tiny. But his little heart beat like crazy and brought so many people together in love and support and compassion to help his family go through this transition, go through this loss. And he brought a whole town together, this little guy, And everyone who met him was so struck by the energy it took for his heart to beat, by the strength it took for him to be there, and by the strength and the compassion and the love that surrounded him by his amazing family. That There there were people who said to me afterwards, I'll never forget this little guy. I'm going to live my life differently. I'm going to treat my kid differently. I'm going to honor my family. And, you know, there was a walk that was created in his memory. There was um, gifts were given it to other seriously ill kids through our program in his memory. A tree was planted in his memory. I mean, mm. he made such an impact. And bless his heart, he was like, he lived maybe a few weeks. And in that few weeks period, he changed lives. Now, if he can do wow. that, 
imagine those of us that are walking around who are 50-plus years old, mm-hmm. how many lives we could touch. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, I think it's so important that we start to think about this in our lives and everyone listening to start to think about, you know, how can you make a difference? You know, how can you really move forward? I, I had a friend once who had a um, had cancer, and he said, I know I'm going to die, but I, I live my life every day as if it were my last regardless. And he almost thought that, you know, dying was almost a gift to him, knowing what he was going to die because he could actually enjoy it more because he knew it was going to be gone. And I think that not everyone has that opportunity to realize. Like you said, we don't know what we have tomorrow, but we can really be, you know, really excited about today. And um, I'm excited for you to share your story about Jason. So, you know, how did you meet Jason? Um, what what was it about him, you know, the legacy of him? We we talk a little bit about that for us? Sure. Um, you know, I don't believe in coincidences. I believe things happen for a reason. And the seed was planted very early on that I was going to be doing work with dying children when I was in college. I kind of had this sense that when I read Elizabeth Kubler-Ross's book and met her shortly after, that I was meant to do this work. And so I was, life circumstances brought me to MD Anderson Cancer Center as a student of social work. And my supervisor at the time said, I'm really not sure why, but I think you're meant to work with this teenager. His name is Jason. He's probably going to die within three months. He lives in your town. And my instincts just tell me you're supposed to meet. So would you meet him? And I said, well, of course. So I walked, he walked in the room, and here was this charismatic, good-looking teenager with all this energy who I have just been told is going to die within three months. And I went, huh? This doesn't fit. What is this? But this <laughs> voice immediately said to me, write down everything he says, because someday you will tell his story. And I listened to that voice. And who knows, you know, the voice of God, the voice of instinct, who knows? But I listened, and I did. And he became my greatest teacher. And like you said about your friend who had cancer, Jason made a conscious choice when he was given the diagnosis and given a prognosis of a limited life expectancy. He said, okay, I've got this for a reason. I'm going to make it happen, and I'm going to make other people's lives better while I'm alive. And that's exactly what he did. He had this charismatic energy. And in his presence, he made you smile. He made you laugh. And he didn't let anyone off the hook. So his (laughs) biggest thing was don't give up. Don't give up on life. Don't give up on family, on friends, on, on experiences. He lived life. And one of my favorite stories is when he was losing his hair, he made a choice. He said, okay, come on, guys. And he got his friends together, and they got in a convertible, and they drove up and down this major highway in Texas with him pulling his hair out and and laughing and joking and, and really kind of freaking out the cars around them. But they made it a fun experience. And he chose all the way through his life 
to make every experience with other people count, and he became a teacher. He started lecturing to adults and young people, and by the time he died, he had um, his last lecture was to 700 and, well, no, it was more than 1,000 people where he was talking about living and life. And um, it was from him that I really understood making a difference because before he died, Oprah called him through a series of circumstances and said, Jason, the purpose of life is to make a difference, and you already have. And that seed planted in him said, okay, Katie, you take it over after I'm gone. You make a difference Mm. in my life. And um, it's been remarkable. It's just the magic continues because 20 years later, a little Austin, eight-year-old Austin, who we were taking care of in Maine, came to his mom and said, Mom, there's angels everywhere. You're being loved from everywhere. And the purpose of life is to make a difference. And when she said, how did you know that? And I didn't. He said, well, you did, but you grew up. So... I really believe that that is the magic, is that message. Mm. Wow, that's incredible. And, you know, I know that there's a lot of, um, there's a project to preserve Jason's legacy. I know there's the film, the charity, um, kids, Kids Helping Kids, Learning Compassion, so you really have quite the project in the works um, to really help make the make a difference in this world. Can you talk about this? Like, it's almost like a movement in a sense, isn't it? Well, you know, I always knew I was supposed to do something big in his memory because his mom told me that he was practicing his autograph when he was three years old. So mm-hmm. Jason never did anything small. <laughs> and and um, so I always knew this would be bigger than I can imagine. And where we are now is we have a screenplay, we have um, a charity, and we have this idea of if we bring together children and adult volunteers who provide a a service in exchange for a donation, that donation can then go to families of seriously ill children. What we're doing is we're building the ripple of compassion that started with Jason and the the purpose of life and making a difference. And so we want to spread that. We want to spread that through the film. We want to spread that through the charity. We want people to understand that the purpose of life is to make a difference, and we can all do that. So the charity and the film and the telling of the story and my book are all meant to do that, to, to ripple that compassion throughout the world. And we're looking for the people who want to help make that happen because somewhere out there, someone wants, me, wants to help me make that film. Beautiful. That's beautiful. And how can people um, learn more about this? Is there a website? Is there, how would they? Well, there's several websites. There's actually Facebook pages, um, one for the charity, Children's Palliative Care Community, and there's a Facebook page for the Jason DeBusk story, and it's D-E capital B-U-S-K story, Jason DeBusk story. And then there's also the website for our charity, which is childpalcare.org. And my personal website, which is drkatieeastman.net. So there's plenty of places to look. If you simply Google Jason DeBusk, it'll come up. Amazing. That's just so, I think that 
the whole idea of children, you know, really inspiring other children and just really giving this a, um, like giving it legs so that it really affects people is going to be just so unbelievable. Um, I, I did talk about how this talk is really also about grief as a catalyst. And um, what does that mean to you? Well, well, you know, I started to see many, many, many years ago when I started working with parents who were losing their children. There is no greater grief than the loss of a child or the loss of a loved one. And so when that heaviness, that grief comes into our lives when we lose something precious or someone precious, we're flattened. Our energy stops. We are stilled. We we can't run the way we normally do in our lives. We aren't able to, we don't have the energy or the need or the desire to turn to our, our um, distractions. And that allows us in that time of stillness and in that time of vulnerability to dig deep into who we are, who we want to be, what we value, and what our longings are. So I read this thing on Facebook, and I have no idea who said it, and forgive me for not referencing it, but there was a a, a funny picture, but it said that there's no such thing as loss, only learning. And I see that over and over and over, that people who allow themselves the gifts in loss doesn't mean it doesn't hurt like a son of a gun, and it doesn't mean it isn't tragic, and it doesn't mean it isn't hellish going through it. I do not mean to minimize that. But in the midst of that, hell is a discovery, a time of discovering who you are and and who you who you are you find by connecting with your own emotions by connecting with your own beliefs by connecting with what you value and how you want to live your life moving forward taking with you what you lost and what you learned and moving forward and i really love that thank god now we don't do what we used to do in the field of grief and think about closure. That is a bad word in the field of grief. You carry with you that person's relationship throughout the rest of your life and you continue to learn from the relationship as many times as you revisit it. I absolutely agree. And I it's interesting, and I was going to do some research on this before our talk today, but there is a lot of research right now, after-death research, where hospice um, volunteers have found that when they're sitting with people who are, who are passing and dying, they actually are able to see images of people who've crossed over. These are people who are not mm-hmm. mediums, by the way. It's just the mm-hmm. energy that's around them, that they're able to hear voices and see things. And I, I, I for my work, I do feel that um, the, as this more evidence mounts that this is a transition, that death is not the end and it is a transition. And I think as we start to embed memories into ourselves and ourselves, it can really help people move forward. But I think that the work that you do is, so deeply important because, um, you know, on my end, I sit with someone, I give them a message, but 
there's so much more to be done, you know. So I would ask, so you do, you also do phone consultations, yes, Katie, phone and Skype? I do, and I'd like to do more of that because I know there are people out there who don't have the energy to go to a counselor, who are mm-hmm. in the midst and the throes of grief, and they just don't have it. And they want, and it would be wonderful for them to just be able to go to their computer and talk to someone like myself, who has over thirty years' experience in mm-hmm. working with grief. And um, I also know that there are people out there who've lost a child, and there are quite a few therapists who really are so uncomfortable with knowing how to help someone through that, mm-hmm. that it's a unique, a unique gift that I have in being able to be there during Absolutely. that process. Um, I really like what one of the moms said to me that I worked with in um, in Maine. She said, you know, you join me in hell, you walk me through hell, and then you're there when I come out. Mm-hmm. And, nice. and, I, and that's a poignant, poignant play, way to say exactly what I've done and what I do. So, I'm, uh, yes, I'm there by phone, I'm there by Skype, and I'm there by person for those people who are here in Washington. Wonderful. It's just, it's really, um, it's really essential. And I, I think, you know, um, I think that dying children can teach us a lot or, you know, um, and you've given some other examples, you've given some examples about that. Um, is there anything you would add to that? You know, I think I just really believe that that they come and they t- if we open our hearts, if we let love in and we let love out, they will teach us compassion. They teach us about the value of love. They teach us and I know that word sounds so trite to some people, but let's give it the power it deserves. I mean, love is a powerful powerful word and mm. you know it starts wars it ends relationships it put brings people together it splits them apart it's got a lot of energy around it and these kiddos when they are sick bring people together they also cause rifts and conflicts etc i mean it's not all roses and cream however if people open their hearts they can bring great numbers of human beings together in love and compassion. And that's Mm. my goal, is to do that, to create opportunities for circles of compassion to happen and for the people who are in conflict to get the help they need so that they don't have to stay in conflict. And when you mention that, get the help they need, I I do want to throw out there that it's never too late to really grieve and go through this process. Oh, no, um, it is never too late. There are people in their 90s. I met a 90-year-old woman who um, really every year still grieves the loss of her miscarriage. Um, and, And so, no, it is never too late to rediscover what grief can help you learn, especially I know my own dad when he was dying he he did a lot of rediscovering and and it's why my husband and I call our counseling center recreate. It was actually our daughter who came up with the name because it's never too late to start today over oh absolutely and and it's interesting you mention um miscarriages because. 
when I'm channeling, I'll I'll feel like a child, and the person will say, no, I didn't lose a child, and I'll say, no, I, I, I know I've got a child here. They're talking to me, and they're, they were very little, or they were very, and, and they said, um, you know, I, I thought it would be silly. Some people say, I thought it would be silly if I, if I considered that to be a child, and I said, well, it was a child, and people left there, you know, with so much joy because, you know, like you say, it, it's never too late. And then I've I've also had experiences where there's someone who lost a son 29 years ago and never has sought counseling, never had anything, you know, and just has really struggled. And um, she came and her son came through. We gave her some information. And now she's seeing someone, a, a counselor, and it's it's really helping her. So I want to say to people listening, it's never too late to to do that. The other thing I, I wanted to mention as, as, I'm, as we're talking, it, it came up, is, you know, this whole thing, you mentioned earlier, how grief and, and uh, really flattens us. It can really just debilitate the, the body. And um, what are some things that you might recommend for people to do energetically just to, you know, move forward? Oh, a lot of things in terms of mind, body, spirit work. Um, I really encourage people who are grieving, number one, drink a lot of water. Recognize mm. that your body manifests grief in, in your arms. Um, children, people who lose children, their arms often hurt. Because, of course, you know, if, especially if you lose an infant, what are you used to doing with your child holding them? And so the arms ache. The chest aches. Oftentimes there's respiratory problems. So listening to your body and when your body is telling you something's up, then release that. I, I always, Jason actually taught me this. He said, you know, grief's kind of like a faucet. You turn it on, you let it out for a while, and then you, have to, then you can turn it off when you want to. And I, mm. I always teach that because that's such wisdom. It's true. If you take time to grieve each day when your body starts to tell you it's stuffed with grief energy and you release it, it's much better for your body. The other thing is acupuncture massage, things that help move that energy through your body. Because what people don't realize is the emotional impact of a loss on our life includes physical. We have body mm-hmm. memories from, from major loss. And if we don't release that energy from our body, well, guess how we get sick, we get hurt, our, our body is a good messenger for us. And when we're grieving, listening to our body's message that says, oh, there's something to be released here is really important. Yeah, and it, that's, it is so important. And um, some of the, the readings that I've been doing on this, um, because I really want to understand it to a deeper level, and is the cortisol levels, the cortisol levels that stress mm. energy that gets caught in the body and, and is lodged kind of in the adrenal glands. And it actually will stop someone from, like, moving in their lives, and it causes depression. And um, they have found that when people do release trauma or go through grieving process or really claim the grief and, you know, move through that, they're able to release it in tears and they've been able to measure that. So it's it's so fascinating now that we have all these resources. And as you said, um, thanks to Elizabeth Kubler-Ross, who really 
um, she, she really is one of the founders of this movement. And um, I just was looking up her book was her first her book was published in 1969. The book on death and dying. And if people listening haven't read the book, it's really really phenomenal. And since we're talking about this, I'm just going to briefly just read the five stages of grief in case people aren't aware of them. So one is denial and isolation. Two is anger. Three is bargaining. Um, If only I did this, if only I did that, if only I tried better. Uh, Four is depression. And then five is acceptance. And um, I really do feel that, um, you know, Katie, your work is is really um, essential to people in in this process. So I'm so grateful for the work that you're doing, and I'm so excited for Connect Now and all of the the, the things that you're that you're putting out there. Well, you know, it's funny you mentioned Elizabeth and her stages. She hated them. <laughs> oh. Many people don't know that, but she really did because too many people thought they were linear. She never intended that. Uh She just wanted us to start having conversations about grieving and connecting and connecting with the dying. The stages were only an introduction to the connection, to the conversation. And she just, before she died, she'd shake her head and go, oh, my God, they're still doing that, aren't they? (laughs) And, And it was really hilarious because I've watched TV shows and it comes up and People need to realize that's just a roadmap. It's not it's mm. not linear. Grief is mm-hmm. a very unique personal journey. And if you need help because you you feel like you want to have the journey be easier or because you're finding yourself not sleeping or not eating or not able to cope, not able to keep up with your daily living, you know, get help because there are people like myself out there who are ready and willing to help you. Um, too many people suffer when they don't need to. Absolutely. I I absolutely agree. Um, so um, other things you'd like to tell our listeners today, and how can they reach you? Well, I'm going to give you my email, which is K-A-T as in Tom, E as in egg, and then another E, and then A as in apple, and S, at gmail.com, and it's K-A-T-E-E-A-S at gmail.com. Please email me. I don't have a publicist or anybody managing my email, just me. Um, And I would love to be able to help anyone who's listening, who's struggling with grief, um, anywhere. And I'm able, thanks to technology, to do that. So please reach out. Um, My daily mantra is, where can I be of service? Um, So I use my skills, gifts, and talents on a daily basis for people who need it. That's how I make a difference in Jason's memory. And also just to really, I'd also really like to, to put it out there to anyone who feels any sort of connection to his story to reach out to me as well because we haven't yet found the right vehicle to tell the story. And um, if someone has ideas or thoughts or connections, please let me know. Great. It's a wonderful opportunity for someone out there listening. So please contact Katie with this, and um, that would be amazing. 
Yes. Okay. Yes. So I know that for myself, spiritual tools are always evolving as I shift forward. So, Katie, what is one of your favorite spiritual tools right now that you use for yourself? You know, I really do believe that our thoughts control our behavior and our thoughts are the key to a better lifestyle and a better life. And so I do have a yes and spiritual toolbox. I do whatever I can every day to continue to remind myself to think yes and versus yes but, which means mm. if I have a negative thought or a critical thought or a judgmental thought or, an, or anything that feels like it's anything but compassionate and loving and kind and generous, then I pivot that thought and replace it with another thought. And I use things like a saying, I oftentimes will say, I'm sending love and light, um, I'm love in, love out. Um, I come up with whatever comes up to just re- re- respond differently when a thought comes into my head that I don't like. So that's kind of my way of walking through life with a spiritual intent. Beautiful. Well, thank you so much, and um, we'll all look forward to connect now. And um, thank you, Katie, for being on the show today. You're most welcome. What a what a joy it is, Melissa. We've come a long way since that coffee house, huh? <laughs> yes, we have. <laughs> and there's more to go. There is. We'll see. We'll maybe we'll get to have coffee again. Only this time it'll be on the West Coast. Okay, I that's a deal. I'll. I'll be out there hopefully soon. So thank you so much, Katie, and take great care. Thank you, Melissa. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Wow. Now that was inspiring. I told you you'd love Katie and um, Dr. Katie and her work. So, yes, if there's anybody listening that would like to um, be involved with Connect Now, please contact her. It's phenomenal work that she's doing. And um, I'm so excited uh, for Jason's story and all the work that he's doing as well. So I thought it would be um, nice. I'm going to read. This is one of my favorite little uh, readings that I do. It's called Metaphysical Meditations by um, Yogananda from the Self-Realization Fellowship. And this is called The Light of Smiles. And uh, he gives a little um, suggestion, which is meditate, dwell on, and practice this daily. I will light the match of smiles. My gloom veil will disappear I shall behold my soul in the light of my smiles, hidden behind the accumulated darkness of ages. When I find myself, I shall race through all hearts with the torch of my soul's smiles. My heart will smile first, and then my eyes and my face. Every part will shine in the light of smiles. I will run amid the thickets of melancholy hearts, and make a bonfire of all sorrows. I am the irresistible fire of smiles. 
I will fan myself with the breeze of God joy and blaze my way through the darkness of all minds. My smiles will convey his smiles, and whoever meets me will catch a whiff of my divine joy. I will carry fragrant, purifying torches of smiles for all hearts. That really moves me, and I thought of um, when Katie was talking about smiling and and how that really is um, the light of a smile. So I'm sending that out to all of you listening here today to say smile, smile, smile. And smile even when someone doesn't smile back. That's even better. And they kind of look at you like, why are you smiling? There's nothing to smile about. Of course, what they don't know is there's everything to smile about. And you smiling is giving them an example to smile. So that's fantastic. All right. So I have some folks here who have sent in some questions on Facebook. So again, what I'm going to do is read your first name, last initial, your full birth date, your question. I'm going to do your birth heartbeat vibration, your life code, and then answer your question, um, asking spirit for assistance here to tap in. So the first person, let me see here, that I'm going to read, a little, do a little reading on here, is Leslie H. with a birth date of 11-13-1954. And Leslie writes, future direction. Okay. So let's see. So Leslie, you are a six heartbeat vibration. So six is that energy out of a one through nine cycle, six is really about the healer self, compassion, very heart-centered, and also very charismatic. So this very charismatic energy um, around you. And the six also is bringing people together, home, family, relationships, harmony, and joy. So that six energy really um, serves you well. So really instead of putting your best foot forward, putting your whole heart forward is really kind of a message for you in this life or a mantra for you in your life, putting your your whole heart forward. And as you do put your whole heart forward, there is um, compassion. There is a compassionate drive around you. And the energy I hear for you is that you listen with your heart and um, – also our assistance to other people, so help will find a way. So let's add in your life code here. So I add up your whole entire birthday, 11-13-1954, and this is a 25-7. So two is cooperation and balance. So really a people person. You are a people person. The five here is freedom and discipline. And the five is kind of that hurricane change energy. It's that uplifting energy that kind of pulls you up. And with that five, I would also say for you, um, teacher, leader, writer. And when I start to listen deeper for you, your energy, I hear when you talk about future direction, I do see this having something to do with almost like um, uh, writing and leadership, women's writing leadership, um, 
leadership, being of service to other people, something very engaging, getting people engaged in a cause, in a um, in some type of movement. So that feels like a future direction for you um, around that. And then you have the seven, in the in the twenty five seven, and the seven is trust and openness, and that that also pulls on that very big heart of yours. So trust and openness, really um, trusting intuitively the um, the way forward. So that feels um, hugely um, hugely strong for you. But I do see something around um, writing, leadership, and visioning. So working with people around those three aspects, it really feels very strong for you. So um, I don't know if you've considered um, leading um, writing visioning workshops of some sort, but that feels like a really strong direction for you to give back because I do feel like there's so much that you, you want to teach people, that you have to teach people. So let's just take a little um, – Pop into your current vibrational year. So your last birthday was in 2014. That's a 7, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13. Ooh, so you're in a four year. So this year for you, four is all about new structure. So from 2014 to 2015, your birthday, there is this new structure energy around you. So, um, you're cooking up for some big things coming up in November. So really when you hit November, you move into a five energy, and five is all about that doing energy, that leadership energy. I do see you craving being around people, helping people, um, and and the leadership piece won't leave you. It's a big L, not a little L. <laughs> and whenever I see a big L, not a little L, it means like get ready because there's going to be a leadership opportunity coming to you. And um, – Leslie, I'm also feeling like this may this may be something that comes to you, not something that you have to go to. And those of you listening who've been listening for a while or those of you who are on this path, you know what I'm talking about. The magic happens to you. The people come to you. The doors open for you. And why? Because you're on that divine pathway. So, Leslie, you are on this divine pathway. <laughs> and... Um, for you, it feels like all you really need to do is be open and breathe. And um, two things really important here. One is less is more. So let go of anything like, well, maybe I should do this, 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 this. Nope. Take that back. Um, and then also, I don't feel like it's an all or nothing. I feel like it's an inclusive thing. So I feel like you're going to have um, some opportunities I don't know right now if you're working with anything educational, but I do hear um, educational connected here or a, a teaching um, uh, opportunity. And this could be something like an adjunct faculty or something like that um, opening for you. And I do feel like service is, is a, big, um, a big yes in your life. So working in service, um, being of service feels feels very, very big. And let me just see if I'm getting anything. Um, something, too, about the earth, about the earth, um, connecting to the earth, making these decisions. It's kind of like you're, you're, um, you're shown in between two places. So I do feel like that some of these decisions are choices that you're going to be making. Maybe there's a downsizing that needs to happen. 
does not necessarily have to be a move, but I do feel like a downsizing of doing or something, but it feels like you're you're really getting ready for this. So it's um it's it's an exciting time for you. Very exciting time. So that is Leslie. So um I hope that was helpful for you. And I um I just want to go back to the importance of talking about grief as a catalyst because it really um it really can be a catalyst. I want to also address the fact that sometimes you know we don't get the opportunity um to actually sit with someone who's dying. They just die suddenly. And that was the case for um for one of my students who was um murdered and um I'll never forget the feeling of not being able to have that closure with his passing. And I also understand that for folks, but there is, um, there is, it is important to also grieve that, grieve that, that piece as well. So, and if you have a child who, you know, um, was shot or murdered or drowned or, um, you know, was killed in a car accident it, it, there is that that shock and that trauma that really, um, you know, I've never lost a child. Although I've sat with a lot of people who've lost children, and I and I know their pain, and I know the the depths of their pain because I I connect energetically and I feel that. And so I'm going to tell you, um, listening, if this pertains to you, or if you know someone this pertains to. This is um, someone who I have I've had the privilege to study and learn from, and um, after taking his workshop, I actually um, was guided to leave my full-time job um, as a lobbyist and to um, do my my readings and my sessions full-time, which I'm ever so grateful that I did. But this is a um, it's actually a New York Times best-selling author book by James von Prague called Growing Up in Heaven the eternal connection between parent and child. And this book is so unbelievably beautifully written. You cannot imagine how amazing it is. It's really just, um, it, it, it really does help people heal and it gives some peace to, to families. And um, I, I really um, recommend this book to everyone listening and i i do also want to throw out there a resource that was was guided for me to create for people who have lost children and they're called children of the light cards they are 22 cards with these really fun loving messages that were um downloaded to me from a group of children who have crossed over and that group of children called themselves to me the children of the light, so they're the children of the light. And they are, um, you know, ranging in ages from, um, you know, just um, infant all the way up to a teenager. And there's about, oh, 10 to 16 of them that I see pretty frequently. <laughs> they come into my sessions and they um, – they, uh, really help to deliver the messages from the children and they support the parents of parents, siblings, um, grandparents of people who have lost children. And they really wanted to give some fun messages, you know, very similar to the messages that Jason was talking about with, um, with, with Dr. Katie. 
So one of the messages is to laugh, and their um, their message they had me write on one of these cards is, laugh, giggle, tickle your toes. A smile makes magic wherever it goes. So, you know, they just really want you to laugh, giggle, tickle your toes. A smile makes magic wherever it goes. They they like to be fun. <laughs> they like to, you know... Um, make people laugh because that's what children do. And um, just referencing this interview we've just done with Dr. Katie, you know, we did. We we have forgotten. We have forgotten that we are children too. So if you've ever sat with me before or taken my classes, you know that I'm big on bubbles. I always give people bubbles. I say blow bubbles, connect to your childlike self, live in the now, really enjoy the day, be amazed at all you are, be amazed at who you are. So I guess we're we're moving into a little thing that they're telling me to say, ways to vibrationally live in your spiritual selves, in your spiritual self. So um, this would be, first of all, connect to the now, let go of clock time as much as you can. And just really deepen in every moment and enjoy each moment. Blow bubbles, have bubbles in your car, blow them out the window, blow them in a, in a, uh, a staff meeting if it feels that it's okay to do. Um, if you're the boss, that's great. But really, um, really embrace your heart and, and live with joy. Live with joy. Don't take everything so seriously. Life is meant to be enjoyed and shared. So um, I want to thank all of my listeners um, tonight. And I want to thank Dr. Katie for being on the show and remind you that you can find me about my services at www.melissaboyd.net. I do phone, Skype, in-person readings, and soon I'll be offering teleclasses. I also have a meditation CD called Guided Meditations Now, which is an active CD to help you open up your chakras and connect to your life and your light. And I am um, just delighted. I'm also can be found on Facebook at Melissa Boyd Vibrational Intuitive Medium. And if you go to my website, you can also sign up for my newsletter, which I have special. Um, I offer some specials on there, and I have a blog, monthly blog that I do talking about different resources. So I want to thank you. So if you can, and it's safe, and you're not driving, listening to this, go ahead and close your eyes. Take a nice deep breath in. You are one. Remember, you are one with the sun. You are one. You are one with the stars. You are one. You are one with the moon. You are one. You are one with the oceans. You are one. You are one. You are love. We are one. You are one. So continue to breathe. Be one. And as you hear the bells, just breathe love into your heart and nowness and peace. And I leave you in divine loving service so all the divine light in me sends love to all the divine light in you. Be well. Until next week. May you live with light, may you live with joy, and may you live with love.